Come with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8 verse 4. The title of my message today is The Reverser. God bless those watching online if they are. Romans 8 verse, uh, sorry, Romans 8 verse, Genesis 8 verse 4 says this. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. One more time. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. Ararat is located in modern Turkey today. It's very, very high mountains uh, in, in Turkey. I like this scripture because nothing is in the Bible by happenstance. You know, when, when you see a date in there, it's not a filler. It's not like God is like, Gabriel, Gabriel, I'm trying to write a bestseller, but I'm a little, little low on content. What should I do? Uh, have you thought about putting dates? Brilliant, brilliant. Let's put some dates in. That'll fill it. That'll get me to 200,000 words. Now, God wasn't putting dates in there for fillers. Every date, every, everything in there has, has a reason. Uh, come with me now, uh, Romans 5. I, I didn't get this one in the 10, so I'm going to get to it in this one. Romans chapter 5, verse 18. Romans 5, verse 18. Romans 5, 18. It says, therefore, whenever you see the therefore, you've got to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me just pray and then we'll get into this message. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. And I ask, Father, you would speak through your servant. This would be a word in season to these beautiful people. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The title of my message today is The Reverser, The Reverser. And uh, you probably already guessed, and if not, it's a safe bet that if I was to ask you who The Reverser is about, the right answer usually in church, Sunday school, is Jesus. And so if you were to say it's Jesus, bing, 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 100% correct. Jesus is The Reverser. As you read this message today, you're going to begin to understand uh, that Jesus is unlike anybody else. Jesus is, is, is not kind of like Buddha. He, he's not in the same league or the same category as a Muhammad or as a Confucius. As you see this today, you will realize the echo of the book of Revelation where the 24 elders and the living creatures are, are in consult with the angels and a question is posed because there is, a, there is a, a, a scroll that has been sealed and they were looking in the universe, they were looking in the earth and they were looking in the heavens of one who would be worthy to break the seal and open the scroll. And they look through the earth, and you need to understand Buddha came up short. Confucius came up short. Muhammad came up short. All the people came up short. They looked in the heavens, and nobody in the heavens. And then they found. They found one who was able, one who was worthy to break the seal 
and opened the scroll, and it was the Lamb. The Lamb was worthy, and they began to sing a song, Worthy is the Lamb. The Lamb of God was worthy to, to break the seal and open the scroll. Today, I want you to know that Jesus is the reverser. The first scripture that we read there, Romans 8, uh, Romans, Genesis 8 verse 4, Genesis 8 verse 4 was about the ark. Noah had to build an ark. And the ark is a shadow. It is a picture. It is a future portrayal of Jesus. I want to give you three points. The first point is that religion is unable to save you. Religion is unable to save you. Religion is your works, is your efforts. God said to, to Noah, the end of all things has come before me. In Genesis 3, God cursed the earth when Adam sinned. A lot of people believe that God cursed man. God did not curse man because if you go back, Genesis 1.28, God blessed man and said, be fruitful, multiply. God is not schizophrenic. He's not bipolar. God doesn't curse and then bless and then bless and then curse. God blessed man. God lives outside of time. So God's intention is always blessing. But when Adam sinned, there had to be a consequence. So because Adam was taken from the ground, God said, cursed be the ground for your sake. It'll produce thorns and thistles and snares. And by the sweat of your brow and by the toil of your labor, it will yield to you its increase. Bible says there came a time where Cain and Abel brought an offering before the Lord. And Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. Abel brought a lamb, a firstborn lamb from the flock. And the Bible says that God rejected Cain and his offering, but accepted Abel and his offering. And Cain was mad and Abel was blessed. So God visited with Cain and he said to Cain, why are you mad? Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you also not be accepted? See, Cain, the arrogance of Cain, and this is the, this is the wellspring. This is the, this is the uh, beginning, the genesis of all religion, of all religion. Cain believed that his efforts could nullify, could compensate for, could knock out God's curse. He believed, I know you curse the ground, but I with my labor, I with my effort, I with my toil have produced this. And God says, no matter how much effort you put in, you can't overcome with your human effort what God has cursed. Abel comes and Abel says, no matter how hard I try, I can't be perfect. So you need to understand that when you talk to someone, are they going to go to heaven? They will most likely tell you, well, you know, the, the other day at Vaughn's, I, I helped a little old lady with her shopping cart. And, and absolutely, God's like, that's, that's awesome. That's good. But we're still sinners. It doesn't cancel out your sin. You're still a sinner. It's just you're a sinner that can help a little old lady. Little old lady. And so, you know, you talk to other people and they say, well, you know, I'm going to heaven because I was watching CSI and there was a guy who was like, you know, chopping people in a little piece. And, and listen, and absolutely compared to that person, compared to that, you don't chop people in a little, you know, compared to, but you know, one day we're all going to stand before God and there's probably lines. I'm just, you know, if we're all standing, there's probably, you know, you're looking, you know, I don't know how long, well, there's no time in heaven. 
what the? And uh, you look, and there's Peter, and he, you know, he's processing everything. And there's, you know, there's a little old lady in front of you. And you're like, well, I might as well, you know, strike up a conversation. Hey, you know, I'm Pastor Jurgen. What's your name? Teresa. Oh, nice to meet you, Teresa. Where, where were you from? You spent your life in Calcutta, India. Oh, dear God. Anybody want to trade places? I don't want to go after her. I don't want to go. Oh, I want to stand next to a murderer. You know, it's like. When you get to heaven, you don't get to choose who you stand next to. The Bible says that Adam was made in God's image, in God's likeness. So, so your righteousness ain't going to cut it. So religion, so, so Abel comes, so no matter what I do, I can't produce the righteousness. So he brings a firstborn lamb from his flock. In other words, he says, for me to be accepted, something innocent must die in my place. And he, bring, and he is accepted and Cain is not. The world is full of religion. The world is full of religion. Religion is do this and then you'll be accepted by God. If you can accomplish this, if you can do this, if you can stand on one leg, if you can go to Mecca, if you can bow five times a day, if you can do this, if you can do that, somehow this will be pleasing to God. But you need to understand no matter what you do, you cannot, you cannot produce in yourself the righteousness of God. It is impossible. You can produce a righteousness that may be better than the worst person you can think of or better than even, but you cannot produce the righteousness of God no matter how hard you try that's the emptiness of religion so so Noah Noah builds an ark God says Noah build an ark the end of all things have come now no one ever came up to Mrs. Noah and said where's Noah and she says well you know he's he's down at the pool he's where he's at the pool what's he doing at the pool increasing his lung capacity God's sending a flood and he's down there treading water. Do you know we can hold his breath for five minutes now? He could be a Navy SEAL if they'd been invented. He's treading water. He's doing backstroke. He's preparing himself for 200-foot tidal waves. God love him. He's learning to hold, hold, hold his breath and tread water for a whole year because that's how long the flood waters are going to be on. Noah would have drowned. Noah would have drowned. In his, so God says, here's what I want you to build. Build this, cover it inside and outside with pitch, with tar, waterproof it. Because it's not your perfection that is going to save you. It's the perfection of the vessel that you are in. That's why the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's not your perfection. It's the perfection of Jesus. It's the perfection of the vessel. The ark is a picture of, of Jesus, right? Now watch this. So what's that got to do with, Roman, with Genesis 8.4? Glad you asked. In Genesis 8 verse 4, nothing's an accident. It says, The ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat on the 17th day of the seventh month. In Exodus chapter 12, the children of Israel have, have just kept the Passover and God has delivered them from 400 years of bondage and slavery in Egypt. In fact, it was 430 years to be accurate. Ten generations. Ten is complete sentence. Ten is test in the Scriptures. God was showing man that no matter how hard you try, you in your own strength cannot escape from the bondage, from the snare of Pharaoh, from the grip of this world. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. He's a type of the devil. 
Your sins make you slaves to the devil. And no matter how hard you try, 10 generations, you can't break it. Somebody has to deliver you. Somebody has to come from the outside. So the Bible says on the, the 10th day of the seventh month, God spoke to, a, uh, to Moses and said, select the lamb. And then on the 14th day, it's gonna be called Passover. Each man is to take a lamb or a goat and sacrifice it and take the blood and put the blood on the, the, the doorpost, on the lentils of the doorpost. The lentils of a doorpost is a vertical beam and a horizontal beam. He says, you're gonna put the blood on the vertical and on the horizontal. Let, let me just help you. On the vertical and on the horizontal. On the vertical and on the horizontal. It's a picture. God is posting a picture. He's on Instagram. Follow him. It's, it's God. And he says, it'll come to pass when the destroyer comes into the home to take the firstborn. Whatever, whenever he sees the blood, he must pass over. With a mighty hand, the Lord will deliver you through the sacrifice of the firstborn. God brought his firstborn, Jesus, into the earth. And through the sacrifice of the firstborn, you and I are delivered from the power of the devil. This happened on the 14th day of the seventh month. In Exodus 12, God says to Moses, he says, I want you to no longer make this the seventh month. For you, it shall be the beginning of months. That month was known as Abib or Aviv. The city of Tel Aviv from Aviv is named uh, from, from this month. Aviv or Abiv is, is the, the, the Hebrew word for spring, spring. Spring is what comes after winter. Spring is after winter. Winter is always symbolic of death. Spring is symbolic of new life. You've been in a 430 year winter. You've been in death for 400 years. Now this will be the first month because God counts everything from new life. From when you are born again. When everything changed. This will be the first of the months to you. So on the 14th day, they, they, they sacrificed the Passover lamb. Now fast forward. Jesus is sitting with his posse. He's sitting with his peeps. He's sitting with the twelve. The dirty dozen. He's sitting with the dirt. And he says, eagerly I've desired to eat this Passover with you. It's the 14th day of Aviv. He says, eagerly I've desired to eat this Passover with you. Because Jesus knew that he was the fulfillment of the Passover. He was the fulfillment of, they used to sacrifice a lamb every year. He knew that he was the lamb of God. Slain from the foundation of the world to bring us into, into eternal life. And so Jesus says, take my, this bread, this is my body, take this cup, it represents my blood, wine, the new covenant. Take and eat. The next day, Jesus is crucified. The very next day, Jesus is crucified. He's crucified on the Friday. You need to understand something, that they took his body down before the sun set because they were going into Shabbat. They were going into the Sabbath. Jesus is the Passover because the Passover lamb was slain on the 14th. We say, well, hang on, he was slain on the... Well, you need to understand something about the, the economy of God. In the book of Genesis, it says there was the evening and the morning the first day. There was the evening and the morning the second day. You and I in the Western world say the morning and the evening the first day. God doesn't. God counts from the evening into the morning. God always moves from darkness to light. 
in your life, God always moves from darkness to light. God always moves from chaos and disorder to order and function and blessing. Just how God does things. So Jesus was crucified. 15th, they took him down from the cross. 16th, Shabbat, he's in the, the ground. 17th, Sunday, he rises again. He rises again on the 17th day of Aviv. Now you may say, well, well, what's that got to do with this, this verse? Nothing is in the Bible by accident. The Bible says the ark came to rest on the 17th day of the seventh month on the mountains of Ararat. God was posting a picture of the one who would fulfill, the one who would storm-proof you and I, the one who would judgment-proof you and I, the one who would wrath of God-proof you and I. If any man be in him, you will outlive the judgment. It's Jesus. Jesus rose again from the dead on the Sunday, the 17th day of exactly the same month. No accident, but watch this. The Bible says the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Ararat comes from two Hebrew words. The first Hebrew word is the word Arar. The word Arar in Hebrew literally means curse. Curse. When God cursed the ground, he said Arar the ground for your sake. But Ararat is curse reversed. Ararat is curse reversed. In other words, on the 17th day of the seventh month, when the, when the ark came to rest on the mountains, it came to rest on curse reversed. When Jesus rose up out of the grave, the curse was reversed. Watch this. The curse was reversed. God cursed the ground. God cursed the ground for man's sake. Because Adam sinned, the ground was cursed. So Jesus came sinless, died on a cross, and they took the body of Jesus. They took the body of Jesus and they put it into the ground. Why did they put it into the ground? Because God was redeeming the earth. God was breaking the curse. When they put the righteous Son of God into the soil, He, he reversed the curse. Jesus is the curse reverser. So the second thing I need you to understand is the defilements that were in the earth were greater than our atonements. What, what does that mean? Well, no matter how many good things I do, I can't cancel out my sin. Even the high priests in the Old Testament, the priests, the Kohen in the Old Testament, the priests could easily be defiled. They had to keep themselves they had to keep themselves from certain things. They couldn't go certain places. There were certain foods. There were certain things that they had to abstain from because the defilements in the world were greater than the righteousness of the priest. In fact, the, the high priest, before he could put an offering in for you, had to go through a ceremonial cleansing for himself. He had to offer a bull for himself. He had to offer a lamb or a sin offering for himself before he was even allowed to bring an offering for you because of the defilements in this world. Uh, we just sang the song, the veil tore before you. The veil tore before, what veil is that? Well, it's the veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. One day, on Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, one day, once a year, one man was allowed to go through the veil into the presence of God. 
but they would tie a rope to his ankle and he had bells on the bottom of his robe because when he entered in there, the judgment of God would bring death if there were any defilements in him. He would be instantly snuffed out because of whatever defilements or sin because he's standing in the presence of God. So he better have made enough offerings and enough sacrifices so he doesn't go in there defiled. So they had a rope in there just in case he got struck dead so they could pull him out. One day, once a year, the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It's about 20 feet high. I don't know too many men who can climb 20 feet and then tear a six inch thick veil, God himself tore it from top to, because the Bible says that your high priest, my high priest, Jesus, entered into the holy of holies in the heavenlies, where he passed through a veil not made with human hands, where he then as the high priest presented his own blood on the altar, where now God was making a statement that no longer could one man on one day enter into the presence of God. Now the presence of God was welcome for every man. And instead of it being a place of death, it is now a place of life where all men can come 365 days a year, seven days a week, any man at any time can come into the presence of God and instead of finding wrath and death and judgment because of what Jesus did on the cross, you can find life and life everlasting. Can somebody say amen? So the priests, the priests were very easily defiled. Three ways the priests were defiled. Number one, they weren't allowed to touch or be touched by anybody that say had leprosy. Anybody that had a skin condition, a leprous condition, if they touched the priest or if the priest touched them, the priest was unclean and had to go and make an offering. He had to bring two turtle doves and do a whole, whole bunch of rituals because he was unclean. The second thing that would defile a priest was a priest was not allowed to touch anybody that was dead. He couldn't be near a corpse. He couldn't go to a funeral. The only, the only exemption was his spouse or his nearest of kin. But a priest couldn't go into a graveyard. If a priest went into a graveyard or a tomb, just the presence of a dead corpse, he was defiled and was uh, basically unclean until sundown and then had to present an offering to, to get himself clean. The third one was a priest was unclean if he was around anybody that had an emission or had a flow or was bleeding or uh, a woman menstruating made a priest unclean. Now I want you to come with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter one because Mark is trying to show you that when I'm talking about the reverser, I'm talking about somebody that even though Muhammad likes to pull Jesus into the Quran, Jesus never mentions Muhammad. Even though Confucius and Buddha like to refer to Jesus, Jesus never refers to them. There's only one who was worthy to, to break the seal. There was only one who was worthy to open the scroll, the reverser. So in Mark 1 verse 40, the Bible says this, that a leper came kneeling down to him, imploring him, saying to him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The Bible says here, this is the opening chapter. Mark is trying to establish this is who Jesus is. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus, the Bible says, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had, come on somebody, as soon as he had, as soon as he had spoken, 
immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Isn't that interesting? As soon as he had spoken, the leprosy left him. Yet Jesus didn't stand back and just speak. The leper came kneeling saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Mark is showing you that Jesus ain't no ordinary high priest. Jesus reaches forward his hand and touches the leper. All the way through the Old Testament, all the way under the Old Testament law, religion would say the defilement on the leper has now defiled you, but not Jesus. Jesus reaches out his hand and says, I want you to understand something. Mark is trying to teach us something, that the righteousness and the perfection in Jesus is greater than the defilement and the imperfection of the leper. That day, he was a contact. Who was going to win? Up until now, every single person, the leper touched, the person became leprous. But Jesus is showing you, he is showing you that he is the curse reverser. That the righteousness of him, the cleanliness of him flows into the leper and the leper is cleansed. The leper is healed. The leper's skin is restored like baby's skin. The righteousness in Jesus flows that way. When you come to Christ, you, you, you need to understand we come with the leprosy of sin. But the moment you receive Christ, the moment Christ comes into your life, the condition in, in us is reversed. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But when you come to Christ, He reverses your condition. So no longer do you end in death, but you have everlasting life. Come on, somebody say amen. So I love, I love how cheeky Mark is. Now, Mark is a fun study. He, he is fun. He's the, he's the little rapscallion who, uh, when, when the night Jesus was betrayed, remember in the garden, and the soldiers came, it says in Mark, there was a young guy who fled, and he, had, he just had on his, because he snuck out the window apparently, and he just had a bed sheet around him. And when, when they arrested Jesus, he fled, and somebody stepped, and he ran off naked. And it's, it's John Mark. It's so funny. Anyway, and so, so Mark, he's, he, I like him. So he's cheeky. So in, in Mark chapter 5, there are three stories. There are three stories because Mark is trying to show us who Jesus is. The Bible says Jesus crosses the sea, Lake Galilee, and he comes over to the Gadareans. And when he gets out of the boat, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit. And the demon in the man began to cry out, what are we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to torment us before the appointed time? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. It's interesting because... The Bible says this demon drove this man to live in the tombs because this demon didn't want to give up its housing because they knew that no priest could enter into the tombs because they'd be defiled. But all of a sudden comes the Son of God where instead of walking into the tomb and the, the defilement of dead corpses defiles him, he is the resurrection and the life. He walks into the tomb and the demon says, I know who you are. Nobody else would have the audacity. Nobody else. You are the Holy One of God. And Jesus cast the demon out. This man was tormented. This, he, he would cut himself with stones. Night and day he would cry out. People would try and tame him. No one could tame him. They often bound him with shackles and chains. But he broke the shackles and he broke the chains. And night and day. And yet Jesus in one moment reverses the condition. Jesus came to reverse. Jesus came to reverse. Jesus came to reverse. No sooner has he got, gotten back into the boat, they go back to the other side. And the Bible says there's, a, there's a, a tumult and Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, comes to him. 
and says, my daughter, she's 12. She, she's so sick, the doctors have given up. Please, would you come? And it's an emergency. And Jesus says, I'll come. And as Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house, the Bible says there was also a woman that had a flow of blood for 12 years. She'd spent all that she had with doctors and physicians. Instead of getting better, she rather grew worse, had suffered at the hands of some of the experiments and some of the operations that they, they, they performed. Spent all her money, had nothing left. But the Bible says this, she said within herself, if only I may touch the hem of His garment. Now we read that and say, isn't that lovely? She probably recognized he's got an anointing. No, 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 you need to understand it's much deeper. She said within herself, if only I may touch the hem of his garment. She knew that he wasn't like any of the doctors or any of the priests because she knew that if I touch their garment, they are defiled. My defilement contaminates them. But there's something about this Jesus, this carpenter's son, He's not Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad. He, he's the Messiah. He's the Messiah. He's the, he's the Messiah. He's the promised one. I know that if I touch him, just as sin came through one man's disobedience, righteousness came through another man's obedience. I know that if I touch him, I believe he's the reverser. I believe he's the one that was sent to reverse the curse. I believe if I touch the hem of His garment, rather than my defilement defile Him, His perfection will flow and shut the fountain of my defilement. And the Bible says as soon as she touched Him, the fountain of her bleeding was dried up instantly. Jesus stops in the crowd and He says, who touched me? The disciples are like, what are you talking about? Everyone's touching you. He says, no, no, I'm not talking about pouring. I'm not talking about throwing. Somebody touched me. I felt virtue. I felt virtue leave me. Some translations, power. But the original Greek is virtue. Virtue is, is valor. Virtue is righteousness. Virtue is honor. Virtue is integrity. It is also translated power. Goodness is virtue. He says, I felt goodness. I felt my good, righteous, holy, perfect power flow out of me. It flowed out of me into her defilement didn't flow into him. His virtue flowed into her. And she says, as soon as I touched you, I was made whole. And he says, daughter, great is your faith. Mark, you're showing us he's the reverser. Well, no sooner as this happens, somebody comes from the synagogue's house. And he says, why trouble the teacher any further? Your daughter is dead. It's over. Don't trouble the rabbi any further. If he was to come in, he is now defiled. He's got to go through a whole ceremony. Don't even bother. We'll just make funeral arrangements. Jesus grabs Jairus and says, don't be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. Jesus walks in, wrecks the funeral procession. He walks in. Any other priest would be defiled except Jesus walks in. He is the resurrection and the life. He walks in and He takes her by the hand. He touches the dead corpse. Resurrection life touches death. He grabs her by the hand and He says, Talitha kumai, little girl, I say, I say to you, arise. 
she immediately she wakes and he gives her back to mum and dad and says take her down to McDonald's give us something to eat everyone was amazed see in the Old Testament the priest would have been defiled but Jesus is not like anybody else he's the sinless blameless perfect righteous spotless son of God Jesus said as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so too must the son of man be lifted up you can read that and think well hang on Jesus are you saying you're like the serpent let me just say this Jesus did not bear our sin he didn't just carry our sin the Bible says he carried our sickness he bore our griefs and our sorrows no, no, the Bible says he became sin. Just as the serpent was on the cross, John 3, 14, in the same way, Jesus became sin. Romans 5, verse 21, says that God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to become sin. Why? To reverse, so that we might become in him the righteousness of God. He was the righteousness of God, but his whole assignment was to come and reverse the condition. You and I, because of sin, were destined to an eternity of separation from God. If anybody ever says to you, what is hell? Hell is the place where God is not. Hell is the place where God has removed his presence. There are people in hell. There are people who will go to hell, not because God is nasty or vindictive. They go to hell because they don't want God. And so God gives them what they ask for. He gives them a place where He has removed His presence. But let me tell you, the Bible says in His presence is fullness of joy. The Bible says in His presence is life forevermore. In His presence there is peace that surpasses all understanding. Hell is a place where there's no life, it's eternal death. Hell is a place of darkness and torment, there is no peace. Hell is a place where there is no love. God's presence is a presence of love. He gives everybody even what they want. There are people they don't want anything to do with God and He gives them exactly that. Don't ever let the devil lie to you and tell you that God is a meanie. So, People end up in hell because of their own. He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus died on the cross to reverse your condition, to reverse your condition. He is the reverser. He is the reverser. See, let me finish. In the Old Testament, every year they had to bring a sacrifice. Bulls, goats, sheep. They had to bring a sacrifice. But they had to do it every year because the Bible says it was insufficient. It was insufficient that the blood of bulls and goats could ever take away the sins of men. But God for a season, God for a season was able to delay His wrath, was able to avert His wrath, His judgment away because an innocent lamb was slain. And because of your faith in the innocent lamb, God would divert his wrath from you onto the, the lamb so that the lamb's innocence could be put on you. But they had to do this ritualistically, almost exhaustingly every year. And then in Hebrews 10, Jesus reading in the, the scroll says, the blood of bulls and goats you no longer desired. It was no longer sufficient 
that animal sacrifices. Then I looked and behold a body you have given me. And then I saw in the volume of book of the book it is written of me to do thy will. Behold here I am to do your will O God. In other words Jesus knew that his assignment his mission was put to put an end to all of those offerings which were always coming up short that he would be the one who would shed his blood on the on the cross so that the sins of men could be forgiven when elijah went up onto mount carmel he put the bull the offering the sacrifice on the altar he poured water on it three times. The Bible says when he called out the fire of God, the judgment of God fell. It licked up all the water, consumed it, and the bull consumed it, and the wood consumed it, and the rocks of the altar consumed all of them because the wrath was greater than the sacrifice. But when Jesus was on the cross from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, from 12 o'clock till three o'clock in the afternoon, darkness fell upon the land. And then Jesus cried out, it is finished. It was the first time in the history of the world where the sacrifice on the altar was greater than the wrath and the judgment coming down. Adam sinned when he took the fruit that belonged to God from the tree. The Bible says because of one man's disobedience, death came to all men. But Jesus' obedience when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and three times he prayed, Father, if it is possible for this cup to pass by without me drinking it, please. Nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. When he picked up the cross, when he allowed them to whip him, the soldiers, the centurions didn't even realize they were prophesying. They took thorns and they twisted the thorns into a crown and they rammed it into his head and began to mock him. Hail the King, hail the King. They had no idea that they were prophesying because Jesus was wearing on his head. Head is the place of authority that he came to break the curse. He came to bear the curse because he was the curse reverser. They put a crown of thorns on his head. He hangs on a cross. See, Adam took the fruit from God's tree and sin and death came into the world. Jesus on the cross said, whosoever believes in me, you say, what's that got to do with anything? The cross is also known as a tree because it's made of wood. What is the definition of fruit? The definition of fruit is that which hangeth on a tree. Jesus came to reverse. Just as death came through one man's disobedience, righteousness and everlasting life came through one man, Christ Jesus' obedience. Friend, today, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Because if you're in Christ, you have everlasting life. All your sin, all your transgression, all your iniquity is washed away. Don't try and do it in your strength. It wasn't Noah's ability to tread water or to hold his breath. It was the perfection of the vessel. It's the perfection of Jesus Christ that takes us through the judgment. It's the perfection of Jesus Christ that gives us everlasting life. Now I want you to know that Jesus doesn't just reverse the sin condition. Whatever the devil has over your life, sickness, disease, addiction, torment, 
demonic oppression, I want you to know that Jesus Christ came to reverse the curse. He came to reverse the condition. He came to reverse. Everybody that came to Jesus experienced the reverse. The devil's a liar. Whatever he's telling you, you got to just live with that. Hey, you got to live under that. You're always going to be poor. You're always going to be struggle. Hey, man, you're always going to carry the shame of something that happened to you or, or something you did and, and a long time ago and you can't tell it. You're always going to have to carry the shame. The devil's a liar. Jesus came to reverse the curse. Whatever the devil's, I'm telling you today, Jesus Christ is the reverser. He rever Come on, give God a praise right now if you believe that. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.